Hi, cool kids. Welcome to episode nine of the Cool and E podcast. Um, and guess in light of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain's suicides, I will um, read what I what I presented at our live event a couple weeks ago. Um, the piece was called "Insert Here and Save My Life," and it is about my suicide attempts and kind of like where I'm at with suicide. And I felt that since everyone on social media is suddenly a mental health expert and a suicide expert, it couldn't hurt to add my two cents as someone who actually is not an expert, but has actually studied mental health. I have an MSW and a PhD and (laughs) have worked in mental health and have been on the other side of that as well. So I'm going to share what I read, and I'll probably interrupt myself with thoughts based on things that I've been reading from, you know, armchair experts, and uh, we'll take it from here. In my diary, on October 16th, 2015, there is only one sentence written. It says, you've really done it this time. The day before, I tried to kill myself. And now I was sitting in the Institute of Living inpatient ward, a.k.a. the loony bin. But maybe I should give you some context on how I winded up in there before I really get into my story. The year is 2015. I'm 33. This is my Jesus year, and I thought it would be incredible. It was not. Though there were some highs, I bought my house. Yay! There were many, many lows. I lost my job which affected me a lot more than I thought it would. I was dating, and I'm using that word very loosely, an asshole, which is not new, but he took being terrible to an entirely new level, and in general, I was feeling like a colossal loser. Depression has always been a part of my life. I can barely remember a time when I didn't suffer from it. And anxiety was so much a part of my life that I thought it was just my personality. 2015 was the perfect storm for a complete meltdown, and that's exactly what happened. On the morning of October 15, 2015, I woke up sad. The loneliness, I'd been in Connecticut for almost three years and still spent most of my time alone. The hopelessness, I was also in year three of working on my dissertation and there was no end in sight. I was working a temp job, not making enough money, and my contract was ending the next week. And I wasn't making nearly enough money to pay any of my bills. And the general sadness had taken their toll. I told my cousin I would probably need to check into the hospital because I was completely unhinged. She called our mutual friend, and they both tried to figure out where I was. I was driving. In a moment that strikes me now as ironic, I was really focused on the road because I didn't want to get into a car accident before I killed myself. When I stopped responding to their texts, they called in the big guns, my aunt and my mom. My mom went straight to my house, where she found me saying goodbye to my cat. She took me directly to the emergency room. My mom saved my life. So back to the hospital. I'm a social worker, so I had a certain expectation of what would happen there. I was so wrong. First of all, it was co-ed, which was a surprise. Second, I thought I would be there for 72 hours and then get to go home. I was there for seven days, the longest seven days ever. 
third, they just throw anyone in there. So I was in there with people in full-blown manic episodes. I was in there with other people suffering from extreme depression. And I was in there with people whose delusions were so real, I started believing them. While you're inpatient, your meds change a lot. And when your meds change a lot, your personality changes a lot. So some days people were calm. And other days, they try to force themselves on you in front of the nurse's station and only stop when they are tackled by the other nurses. But the most surprising part about being hospitalized was how boring it was. There were no doctors in on the weekend. There were very few groups to attend during the week. And if you chose to go outside, it was only for 30 minutes in an enclosed patio. It was so boring. And it just gave me more time to hate living. So how did I finally get out of there? Well, the one good thing I will say about being impatient is that they thought of everything. So there is no way you can harm yourself while you're in there. If you will notice, I am wearing what I call my suicide shoes. Um, And that day I was wearing my black chucks and they still didn't have the shoelaces in them. When I was admitted, they took my shoelaces. They took my belt. They took the string out my hoodie. They took everything. Once a day, someone would check in with me and ask me what I had to live for. Most of the days, I said nothing. My thinking, and this is the depression talking here, was that if I died, people would be sad, but their lives would move on. But then one day, I thought about cool. Cool as my cat. I had recently rescued him, and no one was really into him yet. I began to worry about what would happen to him if I died. And the thought of him going back to the shelter gutted me. So the next time the doctor asked what I had to live for, I said, cool. Cool saved my life. Getting back on your feet isn't a linear process. I bet you thought the story ended there, and then I lived happily ever after. Wrong. Some things got better. Some things stayed the same. I started my small business, Cool and E. Yes, I named my business after my cat. I finally got a full-time job with awesome benefits, but shitty pay. After threatening to kick me out, I finally finished writing my dissertation and successfully defended it in September. I found a really awesome APRN who did a DNA test to determine which meds would actually work well with my body and stabilize my mood. But the depression was still there. The anxiety was still there. The PTSD was still there. I was just barely surviving. I wasn't living. So let's talk about Christmas, last Christmas. It was a shit show. I was a wreck. I was sitting on the couch sobbing. Cool was sitting by my head unsure of what to do. I vacillated between putting all the knives in my house in my car trunk or locating my carotid artery and getting this over with. I'm a researcher, so I started researching. How deep exactly would I have to cut my wrist to ensure that I died and not just mess up the mobility in my hands? How deep would I have to cut to actually hit an artery? It turns out really, really deep. In my digging, I ended up on Reddit. And in Reddit, I came across a list of the odds of actually killing yourself trying the various methods of suicides. I'll tell you something I learned that night. It's actually really, really, really hard to kill yourself. Your brain may want to die, but your body does not, and it will fight to live. Most of the time, you just end up hurting yourself or really damaging an organ, but you will still be alive. So back to the odds. Frankly, the odds were not high enough. 
without a gun and most likely live. And I wasn't, I wasn't having that because there was no way in hell I was going back to that hospital. I started reading stories from people who had tried to kill themselves and survived and what that felt like. I read stories of people who had tried to overdose only to wake up covered in vomit a few days later. I read about people who thought about suicide all the time but never committed it for various reasons. I read all night. I didn't kill myself. Read it saved my life. The next day, I talked to my best friends about my night from hell. Having been through this before, they instantly sprung into action. Step one, find me a new therapist. Step two, figure out how to get me out of my job that I hate. Step three, check in all the time. By the end, they had, by the end of the day, they had located a therapist, and I don't know what they said to her, but she actually ended up calling me and set up an appointment for a few days later. I have to say, I've been seeing her weekly since December, and she is hands down the best therapist I've ever had. And I've had a lot of therapists. We got some leads on the job front, but nothing really panned out. But most importantly, my friends were there for me. They told me I could spend Christmas with them if I wanted to. They told me to call no matter what day it was. In fact, they insisted on it. My depression often tells me I'm a burden and that no one cares. And my friends countered every time with love and patience. My friends saved my life. This is going to be an ongoing battle for me. I have accepted that. I don't think my friends and family have. Some days I feel super optimistic that everything will work out. Some days are dark and I struggle through them. I have promised my family and my friends that I won't try to commit suicide again. I take comfort in the fact that there are many people who feel this ambivalence towards life that I do, but keep living it. I'm not alone in that way. And for some reason, every time I share my failures in this journey to wellness, people call it brave and thank me for it and say that it helps them. Thankfully, there have been more successes than failures lately. The dissertation is finally done, and I graduated in May. I got another cat, Allegra, who shows me that just when you think there's no more room in your heart to love, your heart just grows. Cool is still the love of my life and my best friend. My mom turned into a pretty kick-ass momager and has set me up with some really exciting opportunities. She's also my rock. My rock that may drive me a little crazy sometimes, but my rock that I adore. And I get to share my journey on this podcast, which has been a really great outlet. I know I will keep falling, but I also know that eventually I will get up. It's never as fast or as clean as I want it to be, but I do keep getting back up. I am going to keep saving my life. Thank you. So, cool kids, that's my take on suicide. I'm not really sure what else to say. I mean, everyone's been posting the number for the suicide hotline, and I guess that could be helpful to someone. There's a lot of people saying to check in on your strong friends, which I agree with, but I would also say check in on your quote-unquote weak friends as well. And I just hope that people will care about people and not wait for someone to kill themselves to start paying attention to mental health and also to not think that this is just a successful rich white person thing that this is happening in our community a lot and we need to really you know start looking at 
our friends and family different and how are they reacting to things and what is life throwing at them and are they talking and how are they feeling and are they giving you any signs and I'm not saying it's your job to keep someone alive but I'm saying as people we should care and try to help other people so cool kids um that's all I got for this week as always you can catch us on Facebook and Instagram um I actually put out the podcast on a new website called, I'm pretty sure it's just coolandepodcast.com. And as always, we have the Facebook group if you want to talk, Cool and E's Cool Kids on Facebook. You don't have to be a woman or a woman of color. You just got to be cool. And um, I'll see you around.